How many of you are thankful for what the Lord is doing in your life? Amen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every week as we continue to gather together in his name, uh, I often begin to ask myself, do we really understand that every week when we gather together, we are truly gathering together in his name? Do we grab that, church? Do we grab that the reason we get up, the reason we get ready, the reason we get out, the reason we go is because of what he's done? And not just because of what he's done, but because of what he also plans to do. In this series, I've been talking about truth and just been bouncing around the last two weeks in this idea that sin separates us from the will and the way of God. This idea that there are struggles that constantly pull us and that constantly uh, really, really pose us this, this, this wall, this moment where we, we're trying to build a character like Christ, we're trying to be like Christ, but there isn't the necessary ingredients in our life to actually live and walk that out. For the sake of time today, I really want to challenge you. I have been, every week as I've prepared for these messages, especially in this series, I've been personally challenged. If you've missed the last two weeks, please go back and listen to them because this is more of a, not a conclusion, but more a middle end of what the Lord had placed on my heart for this specific season. And the first two are labeled as simple as part one, part two, and this is part three. And the reason I do that is because I really firmly believe that in the sake of us digesting, the sake of us really consuming what God has, there is only so much that I believe in a moment that we can take. And I don't know about you, but I often in my walk struggle, and even as I was a beginner in Christ, so to say, when I first came to know Christ, I often struggled in how to devote my time to God throughout the week. I often struggled with, Lord, how do I study your word more? How do I find myself in scripture more? How do I pray more? What, what is it? And I want to really challenge you. If you don't know how to do a daily devotion, there are many, many apps out there, Bible apps, etc., that you can use. But I want to even give you a simpler one, right? If you download our app, our Living Word Church app, okay, you can go right on there. We have a Bible there, and we also have our messages there. I want to challenge you to go in there and to watch the messages, regardless of who's speaking that Sunday, because what it can provide for you is an opportunity where you can relate to what maybe the, the pastor, the preacher, the teacher is sharing that day, and then I would challenge you to take that and divide that up through your week. Go back and read those scriptures. Go back and think about maybe what was shared on Sunday, because I believe if we are truly sitting, listening, and waiting on God, each and every week he has a message for us, amen? And here's the problem. It's not just on Sunday. He has a message for us daily. He has something that he wants to deliver to me and you, and it is necessary for such a time as this that we would grab hold of his word, that we would understand his word, and we'd be able to apply his word to our life so that as he gives it, we can then live it. Amen? I hope you're ready for what God has for you in this season because I believe it's, it's going to be powerful. I believe that many of the things we talked about, I'm going to read one of our last points of last week and continue on in our series, but I put it this way. The character of a person is defined by their obedience. The character of a person is defined by their obedience. 2 John 1, 4 through 6 says it this way. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth. Just as the Father commanded us, and now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another, 
And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. I like to say it this way for many of you who think that God is angry with you. God is not mad at you. He is madly in love with you. There is this misnomer, this, this misrepresentation of when we live a certain lifestyle that God all of a sudden hates us like our friends do. <laughs> you see, God is not us. We try to be like him. He doesn't try to be like us. And if the character of a person is often shown, revealed, and even, yeah, even shown or revealed to the world, it is done so through our obedience to what we've submitted ourselves to. And in our case as believers... That's to Christ. And so in our obedience to Christ, people begin to see who Christ really is. And now one of the undertones of this series that I've been walking through is, and in the first one I touched on this more in part one, is the dangers of us misrepresenting the love of Christ. And I think we have to be careful of that when we talk about obedience and disobedience because we often take our own interpretations of Scripture based on feeling and emotion, not truth. Based on feeling and emotion, and we cast those thoughts to people. Well, Pastor Nick, this just doesn't make enough sense, so I made sense of it. God didn't ask you to do that. He asked you to wrestle with him. He asked you to continue to study with him. He asked you to learn how to properly exegete, how to properly take these passages and pull them apart to understand who the writers were writing to, when they were writing these stories, how they were writing them, what audience was present when they were being written, what were some of the customs and laws that might have shaped how they wrote what they wrote. You see, you can't just open up the Bible and begin to quote your favorite verses and hope they just stick on the wall. That's not what the Lord intended his word to be used for. You see, through our obedience to his word, his way, what he has for us in life, I believe we're going to understand what we struggled with last week, and that's that it is worth submitting to God because the treasure is his presence. We get it now and we get it for eternity. But we choose to give up his presence. We choose to understand that sin separates. And we live with that. Much of us, many of us, like our regular struggles daily. I don't want to deal with that. I'll deal with that another day. Oh, this thing's been bothering me. I'll take care of that on Monday. And how many of you know Monday just doesn't come, right? And I want to walk this out with you today because my personal conviction in this is that you would leave here today understanding even the heart and the title of this series, which has been called, Will Somebody Please Tell Me the Truth? I firmly believe that the truth, the basis and the foundation of truth has been compromised in our nation and around the world. And it's not been, and I need you to receive this with love because I'm not a basher kind of person. But I need us to be responsible and understand something I shared a few weeks ago, right? And that's through accountability, we will find growth. And so as your pastor, I stand here today and say, we have to step up our game because we say we represent Christ and we must represent Christ if we say we represent Christ. We have to understand the difference between our personal opinion, what we're wrestling with. I often look around and I want to challenge you to do this. 
in my week, in the different circles that I work and live and talk, I often look around before I make a statement. Here's why. Number one, I don't want people quoting me based on something I didn't say. Number two, I have to understand who's in the room. Because who's in the room might dictate how I deliver something because one, that person might not know my heart. They may not know me. They may not know the God that I serve. Come on. But there is a message that might be spoken and we can't just be the people on either end of the spectrum. Oh, God is just love. And then we can't run around with our Christian jargon, sinners go to hell and these people go to heaven. You're like, what is happening in this movie? You know, somebody turn the channel. And I'm being honest with you, both sides nauseate me. Because they don't deliver a message. They don't inform. They don't bring revelation. They're just statements. God is love. What the heck does that mean? You're going to hell. You're going to heaven. What does that mean? What, what, what does it mean that, I, I, that sin separates me, Pastor? What does it mean that the wages of sin is death? I don't want it. I don't want that. What is that? Tell me about that. What about my life could lead me to that place? What about my life could have me walking on a, on a road to nowhere that at the end is literally a drop-off? Explain to me why I should serve this God when, when bad things happen to good people and things happen to children and this happens. So explain to me this. You see, we have to be willing to dive in with God so we can help people answer true and real questions, church. We cannot be a baby church all the days of our life. We have to be a mature Christian. We have to be a face that helps people understand. In our home, we have children. We have teenagers and young adults. We have adults. We have elders. We have a mixed group of people. And we've got to pay attention to who's in the room. Come on, somebody. Because the message is important that we would understand this day the cost of disobedience and the blessings of obedience. And as we begin to teach generations that it's worth leaving this on the side of the road to pursue Christ, as we literally share our personal testimonies of how we've been redeemed and revived, come on now. I love when somebody comes up here and they share their recovery story, amen? I feel like it, it naturalizes some of the gospel for you. I feel like for many of us, you sit here and you go, wow, isn't God so good? I often want to grab the mic and be like, hey, brother, sister, nothing against you. Do you realize you have the same kind of stories? I really do. I want to come back and be like, wow, that's so good. And, and many of you, will stand up. Oh, this person. Do you, and you'll talk about it over lunch. And you'll, the whole week, do you believe what's going on in that person's life? And I'm sitting here, I'm like, do you understand that God wants to do it through you too? But you got to be willing because the character of a person is often found in their obedience. Romans 6.23 was something that I shared at the end of last message. In the message translation, which I don't often preach from because it is a translation, it, said, it described Romans 6.23 this way. It said, work hard for sin your whole life and your pension is death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus, our master. 
If we are going to see God do miracles, if we're going to feel, sense, and know that God is in what we are doing, church, our level of obedience must match our desire to see him move. As we go and we live, for many of us, we say, God, I want you to do. God, would you? God, can you? And if we were being honest and if we were close enough with somebody and would say, hey, do me a favor, let me know how I'm doing here. I'm saying I want God to do this in my life, this in my life, and this in my life. Do you think that my attitudes, my character, do you think the way I live and walk and, 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 and do, you think, do you think this kind of matches what I want? And imagine that person looking back at you and saying, no, no, it doesn't actually. How many of us would benefit from a moment like that sometimes? Come on now. It's, a, it's called a reality check. <laughs> the reality check that scripture tells us that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. However, in the same sentence, as you continue through other scriptures, you understand that you've been saved, you've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. You see, there's always a solution in Christ. But I want to read this point again because I want us to grab hold of this and begin to wrestle this week. Your level of obedience must match your desire to see God move. I believe people are most disappointed or frustrated in their relationship with God because they truly want him to move but aren't willing to make the necessary adjustments in life to receive what he has. I often even put it this way, right? A lot of people say, well, you know, Nick, miracles have ceased. I don't really see miracles anymore. I don't really, really think that those kind of things, you know, happen. And I want you to, to understand this. Uh, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? That means when he, when he formed this earth and he gave us the Holy Spirit, I don't know if you've read Genesis 1-1, right? But literally, Genesis 1-1, right? In the beginning was the word, right? Come on now. In the beginning, the, the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the earth. In the beginning, the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the face. The Lord has been the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has been sitting over us, preparing us for every moment. He is sitting with us. He is guiding us and leading us. And as we read into Acts, right, we start to understand that he gave himself to us in a new way, in a fresh way, in this baptism where he said, hey, listen, don't get caught up in your theologies, but do me a favor, pray for all the gifts, Pray that everything possible from heaven could happen through your life. And don't stop short. Don't sit here and say, well, I'm just a school teacher, so I'll kind of find myself inside the teacher realm. I just teach. God didn't say that. He said, earnestly seek, earnestly pray and ask. And when you ask, what happens? You will find. It's not that miracles have ceased in their nature. It's that our readiness, obedience, and expectation doesn't exist, in my opinion. I really believe, in short, that we are witnesses of God's supernatural grace, his mercy, and his love. But this means that we're now responsible to shape that character after his. And I want us to grab hold of this, especially on a day where we're going to take physical communion together and talk together and meet with God in that way. I want to put that before you because I often have to stress this part of Christianity. Why? Because I'll be honest with you, there's days and weeks where I'm literally going like this in circles. I'm like, man, can anybody stand with me in this way? Can I get somebody to stand up and just call real Christian here? Can I get anybody who's not going to get offended because I've talked about what the Bible actually says? Can I believe what I want to believe? 
And not just what I want to believe, but what scripture clearly tells me is the way, the truth, and the life. God is not looking for arrogant Christians. He's looking for us to obtain the fruit of the Spirit. That we would be loving, we would be patient, we would be kind, we would be forbear. We would sit here and be physical representations of his love. And we would know who's in the room. What kind of love does an eight-year-old child need? What kind of love does a young adult need? What kind of love does mom and dad need or grandma and grandma? What kind of love, does, what kind of love do they need today? Because the love of Christ propels us. Come on. There is a power that I want you to grab hold of because I just want to be real with you. I can stand here and preach till the end of time from this scripture. But there is a portion of these, of these particular passages where I want you to understand that there was many moments where Christ would, would begin to translate and talk to people and say to them, do you understand, even in the Old Testament, that they wandered because their faith wasn't combined with their actions? You understand that God doesn't want to be misrepresented. He doesn't want us to walk around this earth and just wonder and sit here and hope that we're, we're like him. He wants us to pursue him. And in that, as I shared with you before, would be found the obedience in our character. Let me walk through a few of these ingredients and a few of these attributes of an obedient character in Christ. Number one, I want to encourage you to understand what sacrifice really means. And even first and foremost in here, being able to say this in your prayer life, right? God, no matter what it, what it will cost me, I will remain obedient. If you're taking notes today, I'm going to rate off about six or seven things very quickly for you. And I want to challenge you to write them down because I want you to ask God these things in your devotion this week. I want you to begin to put these. Because if I'm going to stand here and say, hey, I want you to understand Right, that your character is defined by your obedient, I want you to understand some of the attributes in that character that you need to start asking God to place inside of you, to place in you and with you, amen? And so number one, sacrifice, right? This idea that God, listen, I may have worked hard for that, I may have earned that, I may have wanted that, but if you've called me to put it on the altar, I will, amen? Number two, patience. Ooh, everybody cringes, right? Patience, right? It just, there needs to be like another word. In a, you need to be able to use like a different language every time you say the word patience, right? How many of you get angry at your spouse when they tell you to be patient? How many of you? Yeah, come on. There you go. There you go. I was trying to take a poll real quick. Is it men, women? Right? <laughs> patience, right? Here's the biggest thing on patience as we shape our obedient character. It's just remembering this very simple statement. In his time, in his way. Patience requires an understanding, a revelation, right? that things are going to happen in his time, in his way. Amen? Third one, just a phrase that I like to use in every, frame, in every portion of leadership, and that's just the term hard work. I feel like we're in a day where hard work is just kind of going by the wayside. You ask somebody to do something at work, or you ask them to do something, they look at you like, I got to do that? You're like, yeah, you get a paycheck every two weeks. Do something, Right? Can I, any, any bosses out there give me an amen, right? <laughs> Did you earn some part of that paycheck? It's going to go in your bank until I fire you, but please, <laughs> earn a little bit of it, right? Hard work. Why do I say hard work, right? And, and I'm going to describe hard work as this. 
because this is my, my, my view of teams, right? I'm willing to do my part. I'm willing to do my part. I think this is often an art that's lost when people try to find their place on teams, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, in your dynamic of your family, whether it's with your friends, whether it's here and getting plugged in at church. A lot of people, you start looking over and say, well, yeah, but Pastor Nick, I, I don't play the drums like Ron does. No, I don't, I don't, I don't play the drums like that. Or I don't, I don't, I don't sing like Luciano does. Or, I, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do these things like, 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 like they do. And God's saying, but I didn't make you to be them. I made, I made you. And so when I say hard work, I mean, are you willing to do your part in God-building character, in you understanding obedience? The hard work portion of this is, are you willing to do your part to see God do what he wants to do? Next, I have the word dedication. Dedication can mean a various, uh, various things, and so I just described it this way to you. I am committed. Are you committed to seeing this through? I'm going to go back to this in a few minutes in a different point that I have for you, but I want to leave it here at least in the beginning portions of what I'm describing, right? In the idea of dedication, right? Being dedicated to something, right? Nowadays, Listen, whatever it is, right, people are really only as dedicated as the next popular thing. My opinion, not, not, not my theology. Amen? People are only dedicated, in my opinion, to the next popular thing. Many people. A popular thing comes up, a novelty comes up, these different things come up, and, oh, I, I'm over here, I'm going over here, I'm doing this, I'm, I'm going I'm to be over here. You're like, okay, great, we'll see you in six months. Come on. It's very difficult when we start to talk about this, but I'm going to go back to that, the word dedication. Am I committed to seeing this through? Self-control. Monitor, I wrote it this way, self-control. Uh, monitor what is coming in and what is going out. I think for a lot of us, there's times, and I don't know, I got my, I don't care people out here sometimes, right? That, I know a lot, a lot of us are like that, right? I don't care what I say when I say it, Right? And there's some of you who say, oh, Pastor Nick, I'm old enough, I, I, I'm mature enough, I can, I can watch that kind of stuff, or I can, I can be around those kind of things, they don't influence me, or I can, you know, I can, I can hang in this arena because, you know, I, I'm an adult now, I understand these things, and, and I just want to simply encourage you this, slave knows, uh, sin knows only one master, and that's God. I want you to hear me say it that way. Sin doesn't parse itself. It steals, it kills, and destroys. And so you have to understand when your eyes have been opened, when God has revealed to you that something is dangerous, when God has shown you that there is something you need to remove from your life, there is a specific reason he's revealing that to you so that you can remain obedient and true to your character in Jesus' name. We cannot shun away from, from this idea. I am willing, excuse me, uh, I am going to monitor what comes in and what comes out. I'm not going to think of myself, right? The Bible says it this way. Do not consider yourself more highly than you ought to, but consider yourself with sober judgment. Why? Because many of you can think back to a moment where you kind of puffed up your chest or you smiled with some weird smirk that, like, I got this. And two seconds later, you're literally, the ground underneath you fell out. Come on. 
That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about in here when I talk about monitoring and understanding self-control, right? Monitor what comes in and monitor what goes out. Why? Because what, 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 what feeds you, right, matters, and what comes out of you also matters. We'll go there another day, but please take that and write it down for yourself today. Two more things in this. Determination. In the same light of popular opinion being able to sway us in different ways, maybe it's some of you just watch certain news networks or you are politically affiliated in certain ways or you work in certain uh, venues that kind of just say, hey, I'm in this way. I'm, this is kind of how I have to think. This is kind of what I do and when I do and, and what. I need you to understand there has to be a determination that people don't get to shape the core of my character in Christ. There's a portion of who you are that, yes, as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. Amen? We get that part. But they're not sharpening me if they're not using the same tool that God does to sharpen me. So you've got to understand what they're using to sharpen you and what God is using to sharpen you. So you've got to be careful because he knows how to mold you and now hear me, I'm not trying to discourage you. We need people, amen? I don't care if you don't think you do today, I promise you. God put people here for a reason, and it's not just to bother you and annoy you. <laughs> I promise that. In the purity of real relationships, there are blessings to be found. And I'm even going to go off on one side note. If you have been hurt in relationships, and you are an introverted relational person, doesn't mean you're introverted. But it just means that you just don't care or give a rip about making another relationship because the ones you've had have just been garbage. I want to challenge you. You have the greatest relationship to always use as your gate and your protector. When people tell you that your relationships should look like this, if it doesn't look like what God says your relationship should be, then it goes out the door. This is the glory of God in Scripture, that we would know him and love him and be like him. And when we look at him, there is a reflection that somebody says, hey, hey, you should live like this. And you go, you know what, I'm sorry, man. I, I'm just not going to roll the same dice you are. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't go down that road because the Bible tells me there is just such a danger in doing this. And you know what, maybe a momentary, it might be okay, but down the road, I can't see the disaster. You don't see the disaster. I'm going to stay on this side of the finish line. Amen? Lastly, the word surrender. In order to develop obedient character, I think this last portion is so needed, and it's the word surrender. And I'll say it to you as simple as this. If you wake up every day and you literally just say, Lord, today, today I surrender. I give you everything I give you my heart, everything, Lord. Here it is. I give you everything in every way right now. I promise you that obedient moment that you have with God is going to lead to you sensing him, feeling him, and knowing him so much more than you did this morning when you woke up. I cannot tell you how many times in a day that I get extremely busy, and I'm sure you're with me on this, and you feel God tugging a little bit, amen? And I want to be honest with you, because this is truth. When we don't answer, we missed out on something. It's okay to be real adults and know that there's consequences to our actions, amen? When he comes knocking 
And it's not that he won't come back again. But there are some things that if you're willing, he will use you right now. And maybe that's in a store at some point this week when you're walking through. And if you're willing to answer him when he calls on you, that you might share something life-saving for somebody. I don't know when the bell will ring for you throughout the week. But I promise you this. If you're obedient enough to answer God, he will do something through your life. It discourages me as a pastor when I hear people say, I just don't feel like God uses me. And I'll tell you why it's hard, because I'm not like a, especially when it comes to faith, right? I'm just not a dagger kind of person. But sometimes, if I'm being honest, the answer back that's almost necessary is being able to say back, but have you really asked? Have you really asked him to use you? Oh, and by the way, have you not just asked but are you living and walking while you ask with the character of Christ? Because God doesn't want to be misrepresented in that way. You see, we got to begin to put the two and two together. And I'm going to splice this part because some of you struggle with this. But Pastor Nick, does that mean if I am just like, if I sinned, whatever you want to call sin, right? If there's something that I know that was wrong and I did it, is that just mean God doesn't want to use me the rest of the day? Should I just call it a day and go home? No, that's not what the Bible says. What does the Bible say? Repent. There is this part that we have to start understanding in our humility, right? And also in our surrender, that when we surrender to God, he then is able to use us because we're in his hands and we're not in the hands of the world anymore. Some of you have to grab hold of that, that in the midst of your mess, you can still be used. However, please understand, if God's not knocking, you need to go knocking. You need to surrender something. You need to put something at the cross. And I'll tell you what, in all my years of talking to people about God, I tell you what, nine out of ten people, when I stare at them and they say, Pastor Nick, I'm just going through a mess, right? I don't know what to do, I don't know how to go, I don't know where to be, and this is happening, and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Do you really know? Well, yeah, you know, there's this thing. I got you. God has shown you what you need to deal with. Now go deal with it so that, that he can deal through you. And I think a lot of us, if we realized it that way, it would almost be a fun little competition with the Lord. And saying, God, wait, wait, you're telling me that if I deal with this thing in my life, if I get this part right, that you'll use me in that area? Yes. Yes, I will. I will. Why? Because you represent the true heart of the gospel. Amen? I want to do it. And at this time, for those of you who are going to serve communion, if you can go ahead to the back. And for those uh, worship team members, if you would come on up and prepare as I begin to wind down my message today and we serve communion together. I want to ask you a question this morning while everybody's getting prepared. How many of you remember a moment where you felt a conviction that excited you, but about five seconds later, that fire was put out by something that could stand in the way of that actually happening? How many of you have been there, even recently? Right? I wrote something that I felt God literally just give me as I was preparing for this. And it's going to be, I'm going to need to flesh it out for you because obviously it's not a blanket statement. But I think it's one that gets us on the right track. 
So follow me with this as I read it for you. Original convictions are often the most powerful revelations. Original convictions are often the most powerful revelations. There are things that I think if we're willing to face in our life, maybe it's you today. You're like, man, I'm all jazzed up. I am ready to go here. Like, Pastor Nick, thank you for encouraging me. Wow, God, thank you for giving us a word. Thank you for being here, Lord. I'm ready to go. And you walk out that road, you walk out that door in your car, and you get a phone call, and you're just like, forget it. You wake up tomorrow, you're excited about work, you get in there, and now work's a mess, and you go, forget it. You get in the car, and you and your wife, or you and your spouse, you go ahead, and you get an argument over where you're going to lunch. Forget it. <laughs> Our convictions have to be deeper than something that can be wiped away in a moment. I want to challenge you this way. Because if at the core and the character of Christ is obedience, then we have to work to make those roots very deep, church. The reason I wrote this phrase for you, and I hope it hits you in a really good place, because I just feel like that original moment when you sat with God, right, that conviction, he gave it to you so clearly. Nick, you can do this, man. I got you in this. If you step out in here, I promise those seas will part because I am with you. But you know what happened so much? That conviction we felt, that little bit of push we got, whatever might have gotten us there, doesn't matter because two minutes, five minutes, ten hours, 48 hours later, something comes and just blows that hope away. Scripture tells us in Isaiah and Hebrews that we are witnesses to the world of God's miraculous power. That we understand his authority in a way that people that don't know him can't grab. And what that means is this. It's much like, I don't know if you could think of maybe a preacher or a teacher or somebody you listen to and you got to watch their podcast or listen to their podcast or watch that video 15 times to really grab it, right? There are people who need you to look at them and say, hey, hey, let me translate what God is doing for you as you begin to understand how real he is. Let me show you his power. Let me show you what he's doing. Not because it's me and I want to be seen. No, no, no. I want you to know that I've been redeemed. I've been set free by the blood of the lamb. That my God is so big that you too can walk through this valley. There are those of you in here that suffer from anxiety, and I need you to understand, you are keeping yourself in a cage. God will set you free from that. God will literally remove the anxiousness from you if you give it to him. Here's the challenge. I suffered with it for years. I was on the road coming, driving back from college, and literally stopped at a hospital because I couldn't control my breathing. I need you to understand that there are things that happen within yourself that, yes, maybe you do need a professional to help you walk with it. Amen? But I want you to grab hold of something I shared in last week's message. There is a freedom that happens in Christ that gives you the space to now make choices for yourself. Some of you are so bound by what you're going through, you can't even make a choice. But today you can make a choice that God would give you the freedom, the strength to say, hey, maybe I need to go see somebody. <laughs> maybe I need to go talk to somebody. 
Maybe I do need a little help in this area. Maybe I just need, God, would you give me the freedom to be able to make the decision that's necessary? Some of us are so bound, and we need to be free. Come on. Here's the sad part. Some of us are too, too afraid or embarrassed to admit where we're enslaved right now. Some of us are too embarrassed to admit the places that we just are like, you know what, Pastor Nick, I'm either one, not too convicted that that's not necessary in my life, or two, I don't know. I want you to hear me say this. We cannot be a people in a generation that ask God to do miracles, but we live ordinary lives. You can't do that. It's called being hypocritical. You want to live a la-di-da life and just kind of take your chance at the end? Listen, that's between you and your maker. I've said it to people that want to fight me on theology all the time. I think many of us are going to be pretty angry at how, at how some people got into heaven. That's a weird way of saying it, but it's the truth. Some of us in our flesh are going to turn around and be like, man, I, I could have lived like that and got in here. No, no, no. Listen to me. There is a cost to living separate from God. There is a blessing to living together with God. It is worth it right now to make a decision for him. It is worth it daily to live for him. Because if you do so, you will find his treasure not just one day, but this day. And that's the truth. Church, I want Living Word Church to be a people who when we go out into this world, they're able to find real answers. For those of you serving communion, would you come on forward and prepare as I pray for us today? Hebrews 4.10 says it this way. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter the rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. In a moment, we're going to take communion together. And I want to make it as simple as this. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, I want you right now where you're at to invite him into your life. I want you to say to him, Lord, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are my savior. I might be a mess, but you're going to walk this mess out with me in Jesus' name. If that's you today, do me a favor right now, right where you're at, just bow your head and you pray that. And then when you're done, take communion with us. For those of you that are here today, I believe this scripture helps us understand something very simple as we read it and as we get going towards the end. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of whom to we of him to whom we give account. Listen, whether we want to like it or not, God sees our mistakes. He sees our sin. He sees the sin we know is wrong and we keep choosing it. And I want you to hear me. Every day you wake up, his love doesn't change for you. His will and way doesn't change for you. But you've got to respond in obedience to what you know he is speaking to you. And I want to challenge you as we worship and as you receive the elements today, I want you to make a decision for Christ today. There is something, I know something that in myself, you, every person up here, we can choose something today that we know God is showing us and say, God, today I'm going to be more like you.
I am going to take this piece. I've got to. This is the, a key to something. This is, this is a big moment of my life. This is what I know I must submit. Do me a favor. As we're passing out the elements and we're worshiping, would you surrender that today as we commune with the Lord? Amen. Would you stand with me as we receive communion and close our service today? Let's pray. And as we pray, we're going to begin to pass out everything. Lord, we thank you for this time together. We worship you. Lord, we take communion with you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.